Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner, along with my co-host, Chris Lisa, out on Long Island. We've got a great show again today. Alan Zlotarzynski is going to jump in the box a little later in the show. We're going to go down the back-and-forth series that is the Eastern Conference Finals between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Washington Capitals. Uh, we're going to dive right in with the Vegas Golden Knights, Winnipeg Jets, and Look at how the, the Knights are uh, up three games to one on the verge of the Stanley Cup Finals. We'll be right back. All right, hockey fans. We are back at our usual time. Uh, Busy week for Vegas Golden Knights fans. Drop the opener in Winnipeg and then come back with three straight to put themselves one game from the Stanley Cup Finals against a to-be-determined opponent between Tampa Bay Lightning and Washington Capitals. We're going to get to that series later on in the show with our special guest, Alan Z, a friend of the show. He's been on a couple times. uh, Long-time listeners will know Alan. Uh, He does a great job on the NHL on the Ice podcast. You can follow him at Sports. Z-L-O-T-S-P-O-R-T-S on Twitter for all of his content. Uh, Chris, good day to you, sir. What say you? Well, to me, last night's Game 4 is just really an epitome of the night's season, and that is terrific goaltending, timely scoring, solid defense. You know, I mean, yeah, the Jets had a lot of shots, but a lot of them were from the outside. It it seems like... uh, the Jets only get really golden opportunities, uh, no pun there, uh, unless they're on the power play. And it was, uh, I mean, it's really an incredible story. I mean, at some point during the year, I, 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 you know, I remember thinking, like, this is this is ridiculous. I mean, I know it's not your typical <laughs> you expansion franchise. And I'm like, but not that I thought the bottom would fall out, but, like, you know, sooner or later. And then when the playoffs were to come, I said, all right, well, there's going to be a series where they lose a couple of games, and then it doesn't take much to lose a series. And to be one game away from the the Stanley Cup Finals is, I mean, it's it's, it's just head-shaking, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, they have a lot of good players. But, I mean, you got to remember, it wasn't like this is a team built on, you know, that they went loaded for bear on last July 1st and signed all the premium free agents. In fact, they didn't really sign any Correct. premium free agents. I mean, all their the only, players... The only free agent... Yeah, remember uh, the the free agent they signed was uh, Vadim Shipikov, currently residing right, in the right. Where and, You Now file. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I mean, it is an inc- just an incredible, incredible story. Flory is just playing whole world. Like, like you did, quite honestly, if we forget, like last year, I mean... Go back and rewatch the first, just the first period of uh, Game Seven against the Capitals, and how he stole that game for them. So, um, I mean, I, I will say the series isn't over, but having said that, um, it's hard for me to see the Knights not not getting one of the next three. I I agree with that. I believe I believe you've picked against them every. Around, right, not to uh, stick it in or anything, but uh, I believe no, you went King no, Sharks. No, no, I took them. I took them in the Shark series. Okay, okay. I I'll took get, your, I'll give you that. I took your Kings 
which, by the way, I think I've done two of the last three years. So it's, uh, whenever the Kings have been in the playoffs the last couple of years, and and I've looked like a fool both times. So the so last time, uh, last time I'm taking the Kings uh, for a while. Uh, just just say it. Well, you and the rest I, of the I, national I did, media. I, Right, I did pick Winnipeg in seven, by the way. So it wasn't like I. No, you I, did. Uh, you did. Yeah, it wasn't like I thought they were gonna roll over, uh, roll over Vegas. But yeah, I'm just at this point, I'm just absolutely amazed. And um, uh, let me ask you a question. Clearly, the second goal of the game last night was was a bad play by Hullabuck with that long rebound that that really created. Uh, a bad situation, and and you just can't have that. And um, now I heard a couple of people, or one person in particular on, on the uh, the world on the World Wide Web there, kind of critiquing Hollebuck on the third goal, saying, "Yes, it was a great shot by Riley Smith. However, if you're a Vesna finalist, you have to make that save." What do you, what did you think about that? Uh, in terms of, you think that's that's fair? On Hollow Buck, or no. is that unfair? Um, as far as the third goal scores, I don't think anybody stops that. Yeah. That was a laser beam crossbar down. Um, he yeah. tried to get get his blocker up. You know, Riley Smith came down the left side, went high blocker, laser beam, um, no margin for error. It did hit the crossbar and bounce down. So I, I, you know, it. it if we're going to hang goalies out to dry when the, the, you know, Bufflin whiffs on the slap shot and, and Riley right. picks up, I think that goal is more on Bufflin than it is on Hellebuck for sure. Oh yeah. Um, he goes to, he goes to dump it in at the blue line there and Riley Smith just picks it up and he's off to races. If we're going to blame the goalies every time a player comes down on a breakaway and snipes, snipes them, um, there's not going to be any goaltenders left. Um, the second yeah, no, goal, I, I, you know I, what I mean? That was, that was, that was all Riley Smith. That's, he gave it a shot, and you know it is what it is. But the second right. goal from from Osek, I believe it was Belmar, right. who who came around the backside of the net and tried to stuff the wrap around. And I wanted to talk about this goal a little bit too because uh, Nosek uh, had taken the penalty previously that allowed. Uh, the Jets to tie the game on the power play with Patrick Liney, uh getting off the Schneid since game one. And, you know, a lot of coaches in a, in a, in an all important playoff game might let Nosek miss a shift. Um, you know, think about what he did, but uh, his first shift after that goal, 43 seconds later, Nosek hustles down to the front of the net. He's in the right place at the right time. Uh, Hellebuck does kick the, kick the wraparound chance out, but, you know, no sex right there and jams it in. I don't know how that's really, you know, on Hellebuck either. Well, was, you would like, yeah, you'd like to have your defenseman clear left, in front of the net. Right? Yeah, the first shot he left a bad rebound, though. You know what I mean? Uh, the first shot in, and that kind of, and then kind of all hell broke loose after uh, after that bad rebound. Um, um, you know, it's, I you disagree. Know, I don't think it's a bad rebound. When someone's jamming in a wraparound shot on you, most times the puck's going to come back out. It's very seldom you'll see a goaltender get his glove on one. Um, he's going to jam over. No, I mean over, the very the first shot where they took a shot. I think oh, the shot okay, came okay. The point, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, he left the bed. He then, left, and they got yeah, there yeah. first, I, and and then and then and then all and then all hell broke loose. So that was the point of uh, you know you can't leave that kind of rebound 
in that part of the ice. You know, when you're playing a team that's playing this well, you can't you can't give them you can't give them a, a, an inch. You know, so you give them that kind of opportunity. Uh, you know, they're gonna hurt you. Yeah, well, that's the Vegas Hallmark. Like you said, that game kind of is a microcosm of the season for the Knights. Um, you know, every time it seems like that uh, a team, in this case Winnipeg, um, gets an equalizer on them or even scores the first goal in the game. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> hmm. um, the Knights answer, there was uh, game one. Game one or game two? Game two, I think they answered uh, the tying goal with twelve, you know, twelve seconds afterwards. And then here we are again, game four. They're answering the tying goal forty-three seconds afterwards. Um, it took them a little bit longer in the third period when uh, when Myers scored to tie things up. Uh, yeah, like we said, Riley Smith got it. And, and kudos to you know, I thought going into this playoffs, I was kind of wondering both from and we, uh, I brought this up in, in, in past shows about Marcheseau and Carlson. I said, you know, both these guys were their, you know, they had a number of players offensively, but they were their big one-two, and, but they're young kids, and, you know, they don't have a ton of playoff experience, nor in these kind of roles. And quite honestly, they have flourished. I mean, they have uh, put oh, up yeah. huge numbers in, in every – and they've been consistent. In fact, you know, if I would have said uh, to you going to the playoffs, well, you know, James Neal and, and David Perron and Tatar, and I mean, I know Tatar was a late acquisition. These are going to be, you'd be like, oh, boy, that that sounds a little, not that they have bad numbers, but, you know, they, they haven't been the force that uh, you saw during the regular season, if you will. And, you know, Carlson and Marcheseau, especially, especially in this series, uh, they've been at the forefront, and that says a lot about them because, you know, the first time you're doing something with, with like that and being oh, yeah. in that kind of spot, so you, you know, sometimes you try too hard and, and, and it leads to mistakes. Uh, not only do you not get the goal, but then you leave yourself wide open, kind of like last night, by with Bufflin, right? I mean, I mean, do you think that part of it, when he sees that puck coming back and he's get, leading, he's probably thinking, I have to hit this twice as hard as normally as, as I do because that's how well Flurry's playing. And then he winds up missing it, sure. and away goes Riley Smith. So, um, you know, so a lot of times when you make mistakes, it's from the pressure of your opponent on how they're playing. Yeah. So I just want to – just a, an incredible shout-out to those two guys, uh, Carlson and, and Marcus, so how they're, how they're playing. And uh, – yeah, and Riley Smith, I mean, again, part of that trade with Florida, you know, when Seattle, not not to get off topic, but when Seattle comes in, uh, words the wise to all the other NHL teams, uh, don't do what Minnesota and Florida did, which is basically <laughs> give away two really good players instead of losing one. Uh, not really a with, smart move with draft uh, in terms of the experience. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think they got a fourth Vince rounder from it. from Florida. I I think that's what happened. I think they got a fourth rounder because it was so down on Riley Smith, whose production yeah. was down a little bit last year, but so was a lot of other Florida Panthers, and they were so afraid of that contract, which 
was, you know, for a good NHL player, it's kind of the average deal now, $5 million per. Kind of a bargain. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. So don't, don't do that. I mean, they got Alex Tuck <laughs> and Eric Holla, uh, you know, in the expansion draft. They got four players. And they got four players instead of two. So word to the wise, that may not be a road you want to really travel down. But anyhow. Yeah. Well, hey, give give that whole line credit, too. Riley Smith is now uh, second in the playoffs behind Blake Wheeler with his 18. But Riley Smith's tied with David Pasternak with 14 assists. I mean, that that was Riley Smith's only his second goal of the playoffs. But he's he's filling his role on that line, uh, keeping Carlson and Marshall fed with those pucks. So, um, the, that was – that you know, I agree. That was the question was could that – could the first line that was so good in the regular season play and playing 200 foot hockey, finishing one, two, three during the regular season and plus minus, um, could they do it in the playoffs? And, and, you know, it bodes well for the future of the franchise that the answer to that, obviously now, yes, they can do it in the playoffs. They can do it on the on the biggest stage. Um, it's, it's good that they're Vegas Golden Knights. They're they're both, uh, I believe, both signed to five year, five million dollar deals, and uh, they no, are Carlson's uh, an RFA. Carlson's R- yeah, RFA. Okay, I I got a pretty good feeling anywhere. that he's not going anywhere. Um, no. And I will say this: you did mention James Neal. He did take over Game Three. Um, he got in the jaw and had to leave the ice and go for concussion protocol. Um, in the slot, I think it was even Buff that got him. Uh, slow to get up, staggered a little bit towards the bench. They took him down. He went concussion protocol, and he came back, played his best game maybe of the entire playoffs, um, and you know, goal and an assist, and and really led the way uh, in in game three. So I, I do give I do give shout out to James Neal. He uh, oh yeah, and, no, you know, I'm not saying those guys aren't contributing, but they haven't been the force. That those no, the no. uh, Marcheseau and Carlson have been. Yeah, uh, um, uh, unbelievable. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm tired of using the adjectives of unbelievable and who would have seen it coming. You know, a lot of the you know the national media when you're watching the pregame is that whenever they say, oh, "and the Vegas Golden Knights can go up three to one," <laughs> you know, they kind of give this unbelievable chuckle. I, really. Every single uh, analyst or what have you, except for one that I saw, picked the Kings in the first round, picked the Golden Knights to be terrible and miss the playoffs, and now they're they're really all eating crow. So it's like they have to remind us every time how unbelievable and how how uh, unprobable and and in order to, I don't know if it's make themselves look better and just remind us that nobody could see this coming. And, um, I, you know what? I, ever since they went 25 games without flurry and we're still second place in their division, um, playing their fifth string goalie on one night. I, I believe in this team. I, I, I don't, I'm kind of a superstitious cat, Chris, when it comes to, uh, talking about what could happen and and what may happen and what they're on the brink of maybe doing. And you notice I haven't said too much of that. And was it, was it Dan Harrigan who came on back in, in 
I want to say it was January, February, and called for the Lightning Golden Knights Stanley Cup final way back then. And I, I, I admit, hey, pump the brakes on that talk. Let's just stop right now. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like it's like uh, talking about a pitcher having a no hitter going with two outs in the seventh. It's just something that that you don't do. You know what I mean? Um, right. So I, I, I'm over the unbelievable talk. I'm over the improbable talk. Uh, I just think this is a very, very solid hockey t- team. The best player is the goalie. Uh, the young kids stepped up and had a great season and a great playoffs. And that's who they are all year long. That's who they've been. I mentioned last week that they were 8-2 and two against the remaining uh, teams in the playoffs from the regular season, and you kind of poo-pooed the regular season. But I'll tell you this, I'd rather be eight and two against the teams that are remaining than two and eight against the teams that are remaining, and have that little bit, of, little bit of doubt in your mind about, oh, this team ran us rough this year. Uh, you know what? It, at the very least, it means they have confidence that they've won in the other team's barn and in their own barn at a greater pace than any of the teams left in the playoffs, and that confidence is bearing fruit in the Western Conference Finals, sir. Sure is. Well, I see Alan Z on the line. Alan, are you there, sir? Welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast once again. Well, it's great to be back, guys, and it's great to be back while Vegas is, uh, wow. And I'm with you on that. (laughs) I'm with you on that. I'm tired of talking about the improbabilities uh, of this team. Anybody that's watched uh, Marc-Andre Fleury perform in the Stanley Cup playoffs probably should have seen this coming a little bit. A little bit. Maybe not uh, at the... Not to know, this point. The, King, the Kings were, series was closer than, than on it looks with, you know, oh, the Kings only scored three goals, and three of them were one-goal games, too. So, um, But um, I, I had the Knights in six. I didn't like the Kings' consistency, and a lot of people were talking about the experience of the Kings. And when I looked at it, they only have eight players left on the roster from the Stanley Cup team in 2012, and they have ten players on the roster this year that are either rookies or weren't with the team last season. So my question about that series, I had two questions. Jonathan Quick, I know as a Kings fan, can steal that series. He did everything he could. He played phenomenal, and it wasn't enough. Number two, could the ten rookies and and first-year players on the squad, they're going to be making mistakes, they're going to be feeling the pressure, and can the eight players with the Cup experience overcome the 10 players in experience of mistakes that are going to be made? And that answer turned out to be no. And then again, I had them against the Sharks series uh, in six as well, and I have them against the Jets series in six. And if uh, it's, it's not if, – if anybody's been paying attention to this hockey team and what they did through the regular season with – third in scoring, eighth in defense, um, you know, so on down the road. They have more wins in the regular season than Toronto Maple Leafs have ever had in any regular season that they have ever played in. Um, So if anybody's been paying attention and actually watching this team night in and night out, what they do is they they battle every puck. They, They battle every pass. They get sticks in passing lanes. They lay down and block shots. They they are a physical team when they need to be, and their best player is their goalie. If that's not a, a yeah. team to be reckoned in the playoffs in the National Hockey League, I don't know how else to describe them. 
Look, I, I really felt coming into this series that the Winnipeg Jets obviously were going to be the team that provided the test against them. They were younger than any team that they had faced up until this point. And if you look at the Winnipeg Jets, it's not as if their star young players aren't performing. That shot by Patrick Liney last night was an absolute bullet. Shifley's got three goals yeah. in this series. They just are outperforming them, playing better hockey when it matters most. And you're right, the best player – on either team right now is the goaltender for the Vegas Knights, Mark Andre Fleury. There's no no question about it. It's going to be fun the rest of the way in the Western Conference Finals. Like I was telling Chris earlier, I'm not saying anything one way or another. There's a lot of hockey left to be played. You don't talk about a no hitter in the seventh inning, and you don't talk about what could be in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So there's a lot of hockey left to play, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun the rest of the way. Let's move over to the the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's been back and forth. We see Washington go down to Tampa and take the first two, and someone asked me on the the morning of of game three, whether I thought Tampa could win. And I said, you know what? That's a gut punch they took losing the first two at home. I think it would take a monumental mental effort for the Tampa Bay Lightning to win game three and get back into this series. And lo and behold, that's exactly what they've done, taking games three and four. What have you seen uh, out, out of both these teams uh, so far in the series, Alan? Well, for the Washington Capitals in games one and two, it was the ability to shut Tampa Bay down five on five. Uh, they allowed uh, one out of the four goals they allowed in games one and two, one of them were at even strength. That lightning power play has been the juggernaut for the Washington Capitals. And look, I mean, let's be honest, as it has been for every team that stepped on the ice against the Tampa Bay Lightning this season, I felt like that for both of these teams, the key to this series, and I hate to say it, it's such a cliche in the Stanley Cup playoffs, was the goaltending. I think that's been the difference, quite honestly, in both of these games that Tampa won on the road and the Capitals won on the road. Braden Holtby was absolutely phenomenal in games one and two. And John Cooper changed the way that the the Lightning played in game two. In other words, they threw everything and anything on net at Braden Hopi that, you know, he said, if you could have the shot from outside the blue line and you had a clear path to put that puck on goal, shoot the puck. That's what they did. It didn't matter. Hopi stood on his head. Vasilevsky in games one and two looked very much like the goaltender that had whined and cried at the end of the season that he was tired. He looked drained. He looked unimpressive, but guys, I got to tell you the difference in games three and four for the Tampa Bay lightning Their power play continued to click, and Vasilevsky finally, finally stepped up and made some difficult saves for this team. Let's not forget the Washington Capitals outshot the Tampa Bay Lightning in game four, 38-20, guys. The Capitals' defense is still doing the things that they did in games one and two. They're standing up the Lightning at the blue line. They're making it difficulty with their physical presence to get pucks deep into the offensive zone. But Andre Vasilevsky stood on his head. And right now, he's the reason we're tied up 2-2, heading to game five tonight. My man, Alan, good to talk to you. So, I think you hit the nail on the head for game four. Um, Clearly, the Caps were the better team, but they wind up losing a one-goal game. So, the question I have for you is, do they bounce back tonight? Now, in years past, as you know, the Capitals – have not responded well after tough losses. 
But this year is a little bit different. They've had a number of tough losses, both in the Columbus series and the Pittsburgh series. I mean, if you look at it and say, if I'm the Capitals, I would say, hey, let's just keep doing what we did in game four. And I like our chances in the final three to win two of them if we can have that kind of game. So what do you expect from the Capitals uh, tonight in a critical game five? Look, neither one of these two teams have been exceptional at home in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I'll take you one step further. Uh, Having covered the Tampa Bay Lightning for a couple of years now, living down here in Florida, been over to the Stanley Cup finals, been over to a couple of Eastern Conference finals, they they just don't play well at home for some reason. Um, for I, I think this is almost kind of relief for the Capitals to get out of D.C. to get down here to Tampa tonight. Uh, and, again, I don't think the Capitals need to change anything that they're doing. Now, obviously, on the, on the penalty kill, they've got to figure out. They can do that and play the game that they played in game four, in game one, in game two. I don't think they're going to have any problem. And I think if I'm a Lightning fan, I'm holding my breath because you want to talk about what Andre Vasilevsky is going to show up. Man, you just don't know with this kid. The first part of the year, this guy was a runaway Vezina candidate. The second part of the year, yeah, not so much. So, I mean, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, they've got to continue to put – well, they've got to put more pucks on net. They've got to win more faceoffs too, guys. The Capitals are dominating there. they got Nicholas Backstrom back the other night, uh, who won six of his nine draws, played an outstanding game. Everything went Washington's way except on the scoreboard. And I think if you're Barry Trotz, that's the message you pound home. We outscored them 10-4 in games one and two. And look, this is the Washington Capitals, gentlemen. Guess what? They have been in this situation every season in the Alex Ovechkin era. They have taken gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. Generally, that comes from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, they've gotten over that hurdle. I don't know I, – I, I really like Washington's chances tonight on the road. If they can weather the five-minute storm that you're going to expect from the home crowd tonight, from the lightning coming out, I really believe, guys, despite the fact that Tampa Bay won games three and four, I still think right now at this point, not sounding like a homer, I believe the Capitals are still the better team in this series right now. Well, you know, Alan, last week we had Dan Harrigan on who writes for the Lightning Insider and his uh, podcast uh, uh, down there in, in Tampa. And I asked him before the series started, I said to him, uh, Dan, you know, the huge advantage going to the series is that, that probably the only huge advantage, quote-unquote, Washington had was they have a top power play, and the Lightning this year really struggled on the PK. I think they were in the bottom five. And we saw that in games one and two. The Caps really hurt them with their power play uh, and won both games. Now, coincidentally, the last two games, it's not like the Capitals aren't drawing penalties. Uh, They have. They have seven power plays the last two games, but they're 0 for 7. Now, how critical is getting that power play going going to be for the Caps to win this series? It's extremely critical, and I can point out four or five different series throughout the Ovechkin era where that power play and a lack of getting it going cost the Washington Capitals a series. I think you get you got Nicholas Backstrom back the other night. Look, Andre Berkovsky's got to get it going too as well. Um, he you know he missed a ton of games because of injury. He's not having a great series. Uh, look, I just think that uh, again a lot of the reason for the success of 
Tampa's PK, who's the best player on a penalty kill? It's your goaltender. And that's exactly what Tampa got out of Vasilevsky. I hate to continue to hammer home that point, guys, but that's exactly what happened. Vasilevsky was not stopping those shots in games one and two. He got to them in three and four. Alan, I know you've been a little critical in years past of Braden Holtby in the big games, making the big save. And, you know, when you look at it statistically, he's he's played really well. But as you point out, and I think rightfully so, that if I can paraphrase, that, you know, there's always a goal here or there, especially against Pittsburgh, that has wound up being the difference maker. Uh, how do you feel about how Holtby has played coming since, uh, since game three of uh, – Columbus when they started with Grubauer. Well, I, I I love the way he's played. You know, look, uh, game four was the first time that he's lost consecutive games uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think he's played fantastic. You know, they talk about turning points of series, and I'm going to point to one the other night uh, for Braden Holpe. Uh, you know, Holpe is, and, and you've seen it documented a thousand times on NBC, uh, Holpe's pregame ritual and how much of a fanatic this guy is about routine and getting in a rhythm and karma and all of that stuff, the weird things that goaltenders are. You know, I think we've all played hockey or been around hockey players, and we know that goaltenders tend to be some of the strangest folks on the ice. Um, When the Capitals gave up that power play goal the other night, or I'm sorry, uh, let me go back. When the Capitals killed off Tampa Bay's power play, and then Kalorn immediately puts the puck in the net after they finally kill off a Tampa Bay Lightning power play. Um, it's going to be it was with eight minutes to go in the game. Hope he vacated the net with a little over two minutes to go. He, that's the goal he's got to get out of his mind. And I think we'll know early on tonight if Braden Hopey has done that. Braden Hopey has had a tendency throughout his career, and especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, to dwell on a goal, to dwell on a moment. That's the moment we need to figure out if Braden Hopey got over. The Capitals killed that penalty. Hopey allowed that goal shortly after that PK was over. That's the moment, guys. Does Hopey get over that? And if he does, he bounces back strong tonight and the Capitals win. All right, well, I'm back online. Uh, I dropped my, dropped my Wi-Fi there for a second. We're talking with Alan Slaughterzinski. Follow him on at Zlot Sports. On Twitter, so I, I don't. I, I'm jumping back in blind, guys. Um, I'm not sure what we covered or not. I heard the the tail we end told, of, we of talked Braden, about, uh, Braden Holby. We talked about Holby, Holby, the Caps power play, and the Capitals being able to bounce back. Okay. I I, 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 I have Washington. I have Washington in six in this series. I'm going to stick with that. Um, I think I Washington's taken a bunch of gut punches over the years, especially this, you know, the core of this group the last couple of years. I think um, what happened is, uh, against Pittsburgh, they were riding that high on uh, through game two. They finally slayed the dragon, if you will. And then, you know, changing venues, going back home, maybe, you know, maybe hit a little bit of a mental wall after, uh, you know, t- getting rid of the. Penguins, and then you know, taking the first two on on the on the road there to, to what looked like a commanding lead in the series, but I think I think if anything was going to make them refocus was dropping the next two at home. Um, I, I'm going to stick with my my Washington and six. I think they do come back tonight, and and 
take the three two lead and look to close out uh game six how do, how do you see the rest of this series playing out alan exactly as you said i I look for Washington to bounce back tonight. You know, all of the guys that are supposed to be putting the puck in the net and doing the scoring for this team, the Capitals' defense is playing fantastic. Um, you know, again, if they can – if they can, they got the, the Tampa Bay power play, that's the killer for this team. They can somehow find – you're not going to shut this thing down, but if you can find a way to slow it down a little bit tonight. And the best way to do that is to stay out of the penalty box. Um, there you so go. If the Capitals can play a little bit more of a disciplined hockey game tonight, uh, you know, late, especially in the middle portions of uh, of this game tonight, I think they'll be just fine. Uh, I love the way that Alex Ovechkin is playing in these Stanley Cup playoffs. Loved his passion following the game the other night when he broke his stick across the crossbar about six times um, following the loss. Uh, to Tampa Bay. Those are things that you don't see Alex Ovechkin do. I love his passion. I believe for the first time in his career, he is actually leading this hockey team the way many have wanted him to do for the last five or six years. Uh, and you look at the Caps defense, Kepney, Carlson, Orlov, Niskin, and Orpik and Jews. I think they're playing fantastic. Uh, Steven Stamkos on the other side is having a great series. But I agree with you. The Lightning traditionally at home in this game, in this, even in the Eastern Conference Finals, have squandered away opportunity after opportunity. Um, I expect them to do it again tonight under John Cooper. And I agree with you. I like the Caps in six. Well, all right. Um, let, Chris is going to jump back in here. He's got one follow-up he wants to, to get to before right. we have to let you go, Alan. All right, buddy. So, Alan, as well, as I know you so well, a lifelong Capitals fan, uh, a, a man who was in attendance on the Easter epic back in the in the late eighties. How <laughs> how how apropos would it be that the Capitals get back to the Stanley Cup Finals, second time in the franchise history, twenty years since the last time they've been there, and they're going to play in an expansion team led by. Their one-time long-time GM George McPhee. I mean, how? Maybe. How, I mean, I, I mean, how crazy of a scenario would that be for for the Capitals uh, uh, from that standpoint? And being a Capitals fan of, uh, 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 you know, those those uh, circumstances. Crazy, and I'll take it even a step further. Um, and you know, that's not the thought on Washington Capitals fans' minds. That's great what George McPhee has done. The thought on Washington Capitals fans' minds is, let's say the scenario, and I agree, I, uh, you know, look, I don't want to call anything, but let's theoretically say it is Washington and Vegas in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Here's the hump the Capitals may not be able to get past there. The first time they're able to defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> is when Marc-Andre Fleury <laughs> Oh, vacates my. Pittsburgh, okay? They could <laughs> never, ever beat this guy. And so that's the psychological mind block. Not George McPhee. Oh, It'll be Mark andre yeah. Fleury. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah, because anyone hoping... who remembers, you know, the, the Capitals were the better team last year in Game 7. And go back and just watch that first period, as I said earlier in the show. He was ridiculous. I mean, he was just absolutely ridiculous and and stole Game Seven uh, for the Penguins. The Penguins should have been down three nothing. Yep. You know, this is karma for me because and 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 this goes to what you were talking about earlier 
about not, you know, hoping for something. It was perfect. You know, games one and two were in Tampa. I didn't get an opportunity uh, to, to get over. I'm going tonight, and I'm going to game seven. Um, so when the Capitals took a 2 nothing series lead, I said, you know what? I need Tampa to win uh, one game in Washington so that I could see Washington close out down here in perhaps game five. Well, guys, see, I should have just prayed for a sweep and Don't been done do with it. it because now I know I did it. And as a hockey fan, since the day I was born, I made that crucial mistake. And it looks like, uh, yep, I've, 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 and, and you know I'm blaming myself, right, for, for this. This is my fault. The Capitals should, back sir. down here. Uh, yeah, I, and I am. So, But at least I'll be there tonight, and I'll be there if, God forbid, there is a game seven. So I'm excited about that. Okay. Well, make sure you rock the red. Make sure you rock the red. That's, uh, man, I, 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 what my thought at the start of the playoffs was the the, the ending of the the, the the story, if you will, for the Vegas Golden Knights would be seeing Pittsburgh in the final and having Marc Andre Fleury skate off the cup in Pittsburgh's arena. That would be oh. the. Uh, oh. I, I thought that would have been the end of the movie if, if uh, Spielberg was directing it, if you will. But I, I don't even think he would take that script. But now, now you have you brought up the added, you know, uh, part B, the alternate end, if you will to where they look down the ice in game one of, of a possible Stanley Cup final matchup, and there's Marc-Andre Fleury with that big old smile on his face, just shaking his head and rubbing his gulp, and uh, off yep. we go. That, that, that would be a lot yeah. of fun. Yep. Guys, I, I appreciate you having me on. Here's the, and, and, and I'll leave you with this. Uh, I believe that in either of the last two years that the winner, and I told Chris this, that the winner of that Capitals Pittsburgh series was going to go on to win the Stanley right. Cup, and, and and I felt that way in both of those series, and and uh, so you know what, uh, we'll see, guys, we'll see. A lot of hockey left, a lot of hockey left. Thank yep. you for coming in today, and uh, enjoy the game guys. tonight. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Alan. All right, Alan, thanks for coming in, buddy. Make sure you follow Alan on Zlot Sports. That's at Z L O T Sports on Twitter. Uh, um, he's the assistant editor at Space Coast Daily as well, so spacecoastdaily.com, and check out their content as well. Um, one of, um, if game. I could just, real, real yes. quick memory, one of my favorite shows doing with Alan was last, right before last year and the playoffs started, we had Kelly Rudy on, who's now an analyst for the Calgary Flames on TSN. And right. uh, he, Alan and Kelly had a moment reminiscing, because, you know, Kelly – former Kings goalie, but also former Islanders goalie, and was the goaltender yeah. in that Easter epic game, five overtime, whatever it was, and had 73 saves. So when Allen told Kelly that him and his dad were in the arena and he was, you know, a 17-year-old kid uh, watching his Capitals, Kelly just felt so bad for him. He's like, oh, my God. He was just, uh, so they, you know, he reminisced a little bit about that game and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, Allen is uh, a true Blue diehard Capitals fan grew up in the uh, the Baltimore area, and now is down in uh, South Florida. So, uh, uh, yeah, he, and he's a tremendous NHL uh, guy as well. He does he wears a lot of hats. So, um, yeah, just a terrific, terrific spot. But uh, real quick, I, I want to just throw out a, a shout out to this coming show, and I, I have a quick question for you, sir, to wrap up the show. 
so we're set. Saturday, June 16th is the annual mock draft show. Myself, Mark Scheig of the Hockey Writers, and Dan Harrigan of Lightning Insider will be making the picks. Uh, Mark here, Warner. Uh, we have to call it Mark Scheig, Scheiger, I think. Uh, Mark Warner here will like be it. the master of ceremonies. So that's going to be 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. So uh, usual showtime, Saturday, June 16th. And so it really kind of fits in nicely. It will be six days before the draft, uh, and it will be right after the Cup Finals, our usual Saturday show. So everything fits in nicely. So everyone mark that down on your calendars, and we'll, you know, we'll tweet it out and all that good stuff as well. But I read an interesting thing, a point, uh, and it is as crazy and ridiculous and ludicrous as it sounds, it for a brief second made me see, say, hmm, that's that's. And that, that's an interesting thought because, you know, clearly what's going on with the Vegas Golden Knights is crazy and ridiculous and ludicrous when you think about it from an expansion franchise. But I, I saw someone write an article basically saying, well, would it be a good thing for the Vegas Golden Knights franchise and their fan base if they were to win the Stanley Cup in year one? Like, could it, could it not that they would get sick of the team, but could it be would it be better that they had something to chase a little bit to build up the franchise? Uh, obviously, it's been a very happening thing. I mean, is there – and I thought about – you know, it sounds crazy to say that, but like I said, this is not your usual scenario. Um, I mean, is, is it is it possible that the fan base, if they won in year one, would say, wow, what a, that was a fun ride, that was great, and – you know, maybe move on to something else because it was, it was that it was just too easy. Yep, oh, I think I lost Mark again. Nope, I'm back. I'm back. If Mark? you're Bill Foley, do okay. you sell the franchise? Do you sell? I mean, how can you? How's <laughs> yeah, the value yeah, of this you franchise? You can double your money. Up? Right. Yeah. I mean, you got to be able to get at least uh, seven fifty back, right? You put five hundred in. This franchise is, has got to be at least top ten in value right now, right? So, I mean, you got to sell. I mean, do you think there would be any downside from the fan base in terms of, like, oh, that was a great ride, I enjoyed it, you know, uh, the Raiders are coming to... I mean, I wouldn't think so, but, uh, I mean, like I said, it's been such an unusual year. If that were, I know you don't want to talk about them winning the Cup, let alone beat the Jets, but, I mean, uh, it's an interesting question, but is that all it is? I mean, I would think that the... If anything, they would be that you know they got they got a heck of a hockey team on their hands for the net, just I, right out yeah, of the back, right out of the gate. Yeah, and and with the uh, the kids coming up with Suzuki and Cody Glass, uh, maybe Brand Brandstrom coming over from Sweden in a year or two as as uh, another dynamic offensive defenseman for this club. And who knows, they they may still revisit the Carlson deal uh, at the draft table. So. Um, let's say if let's anything, say it might it, it, it might be hard. It might be it might a better be hard. team. Yeah, well, if anything, you know, maybe George McPhee. You know, you brought up this point a lot. Learns from, and I'm a huge fan of his. And there's been some rumors, sir, of him coming with Lou Lamorello to the New York Islanders. But we'll leave it at that. Of Dean Lombardi, if you're going to criticize one thing about Dean Lombardi was he rewarded some of those guys from those cup teams that maybe he needed to a be little a little too tougher. Much. 
a little too much, and maybe George McSee will learn from that and say, I love James Neal, I love David Perron, I love Lucas Fiza. I'm not against keeping them, but we're going to keep them at a deal that makes sense, and if they can do better on the market, so be it, and we have these kids coming, and you know, we have the other players of the core of the team, if you will. Uh, I, I could see that scenario playing out of, uh, you know, maybe in, a, it, it, maybe in a way it would be easier uh, to let them to let them walk away. Well, I if, think if they want, especially if they wind up winning go... the cup. Yeah, I think Spieth is probably gone. Um, we didn't really see that much of him this year with his, I think, four trips to the injury list. at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's Just there's better value. Uh, yeah, well, you see, he's a really good player and really solid defensively when he plays. Yep. But as you know, sir, he's you know, and he's only going to be older. So I, you just hope he stays healthy for the rest of this round and knock on wood. Hopefully for the Cup final, and yep. you're happy with it. You know what I mean? And if in terms sure. of Neil and Perron, if if there's the right three or four year deal out there to be had. I think you sign them, um, but if not, then they're not. I mean, they did yeah, get Thomas so. Tatar for a reason, and I think they got mm-hmm. Thomas Tatar because they were probably thinking we're One or probably both not going to sign both of them. <laughs> right, and if both I, leaves, it gives us some insurance. Look, out here there hasn't been any rumors of possible negotiations between either of those two guys. Um George McPhee said no negotiations during the playoffs, and I haven't heard anything mentioned oh, yeah. yet. So I wouldn't be surprised if, um, even if it's an extension of a trade deadline that he may have had with both players, that uh, <clears throat> do you want to stay? Absolutely, we're killing it. Okay, we'll talk to you at the end of the season about your contracts. And they said, thank you, sir. And if there's a gentleman's agreement between McPhee, Perron, and Neal, that uh, they they'll, they'll go out and test the market, and they'll see what kind of deal they got, and then come back to uh, come back to George and and say this is what's out there. What can you do? And I wouldn't be surprised at all if if uh, McPhee's like guys, you guys are the vets. Um, I'll uh, you're you know I'll give you that courtesy that if you want to test the market and see what see what's available, and then we'll see what we can do, and we'll sit down before you <clears throat> before you sign anything anywhere else and we'll see if you can come to uh, an agreement on uh, a deal that makes sense for both parties. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the case going forward with those and two guys. And a, let me look. I don't think I don't think it's a complicated contract because I think no. it's going to be a number between five and a half and six and a half and I think we're talking about three or four years and you know if it's a four year deal Maybe the number's closer to five and a half. If it's a three-year deal, maybe the number's closer to six and a half. But I think if we get outside of that realm uh, in terms of upwards in years and money, if I, not, this is nothing against those guys, and God bless if they can get that, I think you'll walk away if you're George McPay. I will say this. I would overpay to get shorter term. If Let's just throw out random numbers. Yeah. Let's say someone someone with an 18% state tax comes in and throws James Neal a seven-year, $6 million, 42, you know, $42 million oh. total value contract. What if George McPhee said, I'll take that 18% state tax and put it in your pocket and give you a four-year, $9 million deal? And, you know, there's room under the cap for him to do that. 
Grabowski's deal comes off. Um, you reward the player for what he did for the city and for the franchise, and you're not locked into any kind of seven, eight-year deal with a guy who's going to would be like 38 at the end of that at that deal. Right. Yeah. Too much, or, uh, or can you not, come down? Think maybe maybe four years seven. I would say this: four if, years if he's, he's going to get a seven-year, forty-two million dollar deal from someone else, I would think he's going to be gone. I mean, I was thinking more of if you're going to go. I mean. I think the best deal that McPhee would offer would be four years at, let's say, at 28. It's still, I mean, so, well, I, me, you know, it's so, yeah, it's still $7 million a year. Let me see something real quick. And I would think Neil would be the one that they would, not that Perron hasn't been really good for the team he has, but I think Neil would be the one that they would go the extra mile or two. So eighteen percent of state tax over a six year deal at seven million per is five million dollars paid to the state of New York State. Um so if you right. came up with a four year deal and and you're saying go seven years four million, if you went seven years eight million, he's putting that extra five million dollars back in his pocket. I wouldn't be upset with that. And I, I could see Neil yeah. and his agent going, well, that's a you know four years, thirty-two million dollars. That's hard to turn down. You're still thirty-four. You can go out and get a three or four-year deal at five or six after this, and cap off that that money that you would have just paid to the state anyway. Right. And you know that's a good part. Uh, if, 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 if absolutely an interesting point too is uh, just to wrap things up is. Uh, you know, Vegas makes the finals. This will be the third team James Neal's been in the Stanley Cup finals with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Vegas, Nashville, and uh, and of course Pittsburgh, and won a cup with. Yeah, well, well, let's. Um, the most I'll say is hopefully that third time is a charm for Mr. James Neal, and he does. Well, he's won. Know, he won. He was on one of those cup teams. I'm trying to remember. Uh, so. I, I think he was on one of the... Right? Well, he was on one of those early I, teams, was he not? I don't think he won it with Pittsburgh. I think he was oh, there the he, first he year they lost. right after? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, okay. My I'd have to go back okay. and look, but well, then, I, don't, I don't think he has one yet. Oh, then you're right. Maybe third time that should charm. Unless I'm missing it by a year. Because he was traded for... Uh, oh, God. I can see his face. What happens when you get older, folks? Uh, on, yeah. on, uh, you feel good grinder on uh, who's what, with the what Predators are you, 32 forever. now? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, sir. So uh, we'll um, we'll have to figure out a guest for next week, I guess. Let's see. Next Saturday, we should go to the Cup Final, right? If both series won seven, yeah, we would. We still would know the Cup final. So, uh, so we'll preview the Stanley Cup final next Saturday, and we'll have to figure out a good guest uh, for that based on who is in the series. Yeah, I think he missed it. Uh, he he got to Pittsburgh 2010-2011 uh, so and left by a year. Left 2013-14. Okay, so he and then obviously, obviously they with national. Oh nine. Yes, right. Sir. Right. They must, okay. Okay. So, you know that's what? It. That's if a he, porn quiz. There you go. If he, you know what? It, it, that's another thing. 
that's a bargaining chip is this team's set up for the long haul. They've got, I think at the end of the year, we've looked at it. It's like 20 million in cap space. Um, and you've got your RFAs to sign. Oh, yeah, but they have the cap you're not, you're not going to be a cap crunch. You've got a young, young team. And, it, you know, if he wants to take a little hometown discount to continue winning, uh, playing winning hockey well, keep in mind, late, late into May and June, this isn't a bad place to be. Keep in mind, they do have to sign Carlson long term. They'll have to, in a year or so, sign Theodore. I think Nate Schmidt's an RFA. Uh, so, look, they have the cap space. It's not like they're in a cap crunch. The question, the thing is, where teams get into a cap crunch, it, a la like your LA Kings, is they locked the Black up Hawks. all these. They right the Blackhawks. They lo- they locked up all these players, and, and in a lot of cases, because the players earned the contracts. And so the question is, James Neal at, what is he, 33, 32 years of age, you know, if you go beyond, let's say, four years, those are the James Neal's 30. Not that it, oh, he's 30. James Neal's 30. Uh, okay. Put a couple uh, more years at the end those, of that deal now. Right. So it's those situations is when you can get into cap trouble, potentially. So those are the yeah, things, and, and that's why George McPhee—that's why George McPhee is the the GM and gets paid the big bucks because that's a you know that's a, that's not an easy decision, and you're 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 balancing a lot of things and you're trying to predict a lot of things. So he's the one yep. that's going to make the call that says, "Hey, I'm willing to go an extra year, or I'm willing to go five years, you know, or you know whatnot, or I'm willing to go six years, or I'm." Drawing the line in the sand on four years, you know, or three years, whatever it may be. Uh, how much so, do you think? Uh, <laughs> how much do you think Bill Foley will influence that? We all know how hyper competitive uh, Bill Foley is. We all know that he, you know, um, I don't want to say you would probably. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest but, with you, he should let his GM make that call. I mean, that oh, would for be sure. Uh, be it, it, it's not. It, it's not. It's not like George McPhee doesn't want to bring, in this case, James Neal back. Uh, it, like I said, I mean, at the end of the day, if 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 James Neal says, "Hey, look, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the uh, I'm trying to think of another team, uh, you, you know, on the Vancouver Canucks, are offering me a seven-year deal at forty-two million, I need you to give me a deal, you know, worth thirty-five million. Uh, you know, when we can figure out the years uh, to say, and, you know, McPhee's like, you know what, unfortunately, I think we need to move on. Uh, I mean, I can understand that, you know, so it's really going to come down to that. Hopefully they can get him signed before then, before he can talk to anybody. Uh, I would think that James Neal, you know, you know, last year he was in Nashville. Now he's with a new team. It would be his third team in three years. Uh, he, He really likes it there that that would count for a lot, and they can work out a work out a deal. So, um, and to be honest with you, you know, I, I'm not sure what he would get. I mean, he would do very well come July first, uh, you know. But the question is, you know, how well? If he came to me with both those teams, I'd just say, "So you didn't have any fun playing in May?" Because if you want to, yeah, go I know. But you there, know what? This is going to be his. You know what? Though this fun. is good. this is his bite at the. This is the, his bite at the apple. You know, I mean, who would ever thought, you know, that an expansion team would get to the cup, uh, get this far? 
you know, I mean, you could you could say that maybe in a year or two those teams can get going. But, you know, I can't blame the player, you know, if it's their fight at the apple. I mean, again, if we're talking about the contract's going to be close, I, for me personally, I think it would be a no-brainer that he would take the deal with Vegas. Now, if you're talking about a difference of, you know, 20 25% or 30%, at the end of the day, even when, you know, including the tax break, um, I, I think that's where it gets that becomes a different situation. But you know, I'm not James Neal. He's got to you know obviously decide all decide all that. For sure, for sure. You know. Well, we're just about out of time, sir. Uh, what's on tap next week? Have we have we got anything in the hopper yet? Well, we're gonna see who's in the Cup final. So hopefully okay. Vegas is part of that. And we're going to see uh, who they would be playing. You know, again, I don't want to poo-poo it because, again, I don't think Winnipeg dead. Uh, I did hear a quote from Blake Wheeler that I didn't like, uh, which would, if I was a Jets fan, I'd be a little concerned. Um, I heard some Connor uh, Hellbuck quotes I didn't like. So so we'll have to figure out. I mean, if Washington's in the final, I'd love to have uh, Allen back. If if Tampa's in the final, love to have Dan Harrigan back. So uh, you know, we'll figure something out. I'd like to get, I'd like to talk to Dana Lane too. If if Vegas goes on to get there, I'd like to. We haven't talked with Dana in a while. He'd be good to have in and get his perspective yeah, on how if, things. If he's is. around, yeah. that'd be fun. Yep. So we'll yeah. we'll get something so good we'll, for you guys. Uh, Don't worry. Day game, early game for you guys tomorrow. I think it's a noon start tomorrow. Yep. yep. Oh no, it's a noon uh, or yeah, noon start. Yeah, twelve o'clock start. I'll be I'll be following it on my phone. I got a wedding to hit uh, one o'clock tomorrow, but uh, I'll, believe me, I'll be paying attention, sir. Okay, sounds good. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon, everybody. Uh, next week, same bad time, same bad channel. Make sure you find us on your Apple Podcast app. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Check us out on obviously Blog Talk Radio, Grandstand. Sportsnet, Russ Comology page, and thehockeywriters.com. We're uh, everywhere podcasts are, are, are uh, available. Uh, so hit, hit that subscribe button. Never miss an episode. We appreciate that. Until next week, for Chris, I'm Mark. And we're gone.